Welcome to Stacey on the Right, our video podcast hosted by Family Vision Media. I'm so excited to have with me today returning David McGovern. David McGovern, he is a pastor at Angeles Church, and the website is angeles.church, angeles.church. Thank you so much, David, for joining me again. Stacy, it's an honor. It's a privilege to be back on. It's good to see you again. I hope you're well. I'm pretty well. I am actually, um, I feel like as a Christian, you know, no matter how well I'm doing, it seems like culturally we are not doing that well. Our country is not doing very well culturally and specifically in the area of um, our reaction to national tragedies, which we most recently have had kind of a spate of national tragedies yeah. where a single individual has taken it upon themselves to go and kill a group of people. So mass shootings and the conversation surrounding that is really tending towards um, clamping down on gun ownership, kind of going against our constitutional rights, instead of addressing some right. of the more endemic issues that are facing us, which really all go back, in my opinion, Pastor, to the family, the nuclear family and the disintegration right. of that as a culture um, has produced a phenomenon of mass shooters who tend along a certain line like they're 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 boys they come from yeah. dysfunctional broken families they are often striking out in anger against something they feel has been done to them so it's a form of retribution also it's fame seeking behavior they want to become famous and be known by many other people it's also a way for them to commit suicide without have actually having to kill themselves mm. so there is a phenomenon it does surround violence the gun is the tool that's being used but what is the biblical answer to this? Right. And what a great uh, question to ask. And, you know, I, I heard uh, recently, I, I think last week, somebody said, I, I, I can't attribute this correctly to the person because I didn't write this down. But somebody said, we have a mental health issue masquerading as a as a gun issue. And I would add to that, we have a mental health issue and a spiritual health issue is the deeper problem masquerading as a gun issue or it's not a gun issue it's a political issue um so i think there's there's three things that like we've got to do as christians we must we must frame this conversation correctly okay shootings these mass killings they are not a political issue this this is this is not a, a gun issue this is a sin issue and this is true because we see this on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, or or both ditches on either side of the road, both extremes, right? You had the the Buffalo shooter recently, who some would say was a far right extremist, um, white supremacist, what have you. You had the in in my neck of the woods, which is um, the Laguna Niguel church shooting, which happened right after the Buffalo shooting, and this this gentleman was essentially a um, a weaponized uh, agent of the far left communist party in China. And he went into a church that was comprised predominantly of Taiwanese people, and he began shooting them up. And, and then we have this, this shooter in Texas, this Uvalde shooter, again, probably on, and I don't know a lot about him. I just, you know, I've just refused to, to give these shooters any glory. I don't know a lot about him, but I, I do know a few things and, and that he was into, I guess, cross-dressing and things of that nature. And so now we have another one on the far left, it seems. So you have 
seems to be both sides or both extremes of the political sort of spectrum. I don't believe this is a political issue. This is a sin problem and it affects everybody. And I don't have the political answer to this because it's not a political question. I do have the answer. You and I do have the answer. Jesus is the answer. The answer is not in a new piece of legislation. Um, the, the answer is not in a, a new law. Um, the answer is not in infringing further on our constitutional rights. The only answer to this is Jesus. That's it. And so uh, we have got to be about our father's business. We have we've got to be about it. You know, all I hear from the White House and all I hear from I'm in California, all I hear from Sacramento is gun control, gun control, gun control, gun control. You know, President Biden just recently starts inferring that, hey, you know, we need to no one needs to have a nine millimeter. So now we're getting specific into like you can't have this kind of uh, ammunition or this kind of weapon. You know, there was another mass shooting near Uvalde. Just, I believe it was 24, maybe 48 hours after Uvalde. It was not too far. It was actually right across the border. There was another mass shooting in a country that has a total gun ban. <laughs> there's, there's one gun store in all of Mexico, one. And it's behind their most fortified military institution. And it's the only gun store in all of Mexico. They banned, they banned weapons for their law-abiding citizens. And yet they're right after the Uvalde shooting. You didn't hear a lot about this in the media, but there was another mass shooting there in Mexico. They have the gun legislation that everybody in the White House and in Sacramento and on that side of the aisle want to institute here in America. It turns out that's not the answer. Turns out you can ban every weapon, every gun, every ammunition caliber, and there's still going to be sin in the hearts of people. And so we have to frame this correctly. And it has to be framed in such a way that points to where the real issue lies. This is a spiritual, spiritual health issue in our country. And uh, we need to get back to uh, the moorings on which we were built. And that is faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the only answer. So I agree with you. Um, I know that, so the, the points that you made about the, the shooting that was just over the border in Mexico, those kinds of facts are never considered in this conversation. You're not allowed to point out that we already have places in America where it's very difficult to own a firearm. Number one uh, that I think of is New York City where even if you've been threatened, if you're a public figure um, and you want to get a concealed carry permit, you, you can't get one in New York because it's based on cronyism and who you know. So if mm -hmm. your politics are correct, you can get a concealed carry permit. But what they really prefer is that you hire private security and private security can carry pretty much any firearm they want because they have licenses to carry concealed. And so then those individuals can protect you, which means that the protection of your person becomes rarefied and stratified by who you know politically, your connections, and whether or not you can afford to hire private security. And so yeah. the founders knew that we wouldn't be hiring private security for ourselves to protect ourselves. And back then, in a much, <clears throat> it was a much more loose concept because they started off as colonists and the 
you know, the new world. And they had Native Americans that they would go to war with. And so it, it was just commonplace to, to own firearms and to use them to not just defense of self, but you would shoot wild boar with them. You, you shoot coyotes with them. I mean, you used your firearm as a tool and that's all it really is. And so, you know, pastor, when you're mentioning those facts, they make total sense to me and they point to the need for better public policy surrounding the family. So we're talking about in Buffalo, he, the, the narrative is that he was a far right winger, but the truth is he was a communist. Uh, He, you know, he, he did not have a political ideology that matches up with anyone on the right and really not the traditional sense of who the Democrats are. If you look at their, their politics, their party platform actually doesn't advocate for communism. So if the guy was a communist, he really wasn't a Democrat either, Mm. but we have to turn feather all of these bad actors and assign them a political affiliation. And usually we have to assign them to the right, even if it doesn't make any sense, Right. because then we can vilify the gun because politically affiliating them with the right means you can leapfrog over the ideology and go straight to the true target, which is disarmament because the UN can't come in and unilaterally lock us down if we have been disarmed. And so there's more to this. It's a very complex thing. But if we go back to what actually works in the realm of public policy, um, we know that none of the things that they're advocating for actually work. We already have red red flag laws in jurisdictions like New York didn't prevent Mm -hmm. the shooter there from buying a firearm. Um, We have gun control in not just New York, but many places across the country that are liberal strongholds, including the city of St. Louis, we have some form of gun control. And that does not prevent those areas from being the number one drivers of crime in the entire country. So you said the only thing that would solve it is Jesus Christ. I agree 100%. Jesus advocated for the traditional family. He said, um, you know, a man will leave his father and mother and he will join together with his wife in union with God and they will create a Mm -hmm. trifle bond, the man, the woman and and, and our father in heaven. And that would then make it possible for the family to thrive and flourish. And so if you go back to even the early 90s when these shootings became a phenomenon and you look at the shooter's family makeup, they actually had a breakdown online that someone posted on Twitter. And I I was like, pastor, I didn't want to click on it because I thought to myself, if I click on here, I'll be on here for I don't know how long. And I was, Mm -hmm. but I had to click because I had to see. The research is actually out there that shows that every single shooter saved two in the entire timeline of school shootings, every shooter has a history of, in their family, drug abuse, domestic violence, proper parenting, and a lot of times physical abuse of the actual shooter. So it's not even, because I often affiliate these mass shootings at schools with bullying, and that is a driver in some of them. But in many of the cases, it's family dysfunction that drove the student True. into these yeah. situations in the school where they end up killing people. They're killing a teacher and then all of the surrounding mm. students, or they're killing students, not the ones who bullied them, and then teachers and right. others are caught in the crossfire. Right. So let's let's see what God's word says about this. God says, if we disobey, curses will ensue. And he says, right. if we obey, right. oh. blessings will ensue. So Mm -hmm. then I connect this back. I see all of that, you know, that timeline, that information, the data that's available for us, which no one's interested in. Like, we just want to say, grab the guns. But then what about the fact that we know that God says he ordains the days of our lives. He actually knows us personally and he knits us together in our mother's womb. So in America, we abort around 850,000 babies a year now, Mm -hmm. which is, which Mm -hmm. is actually an almost 50% decline. So 
God is on the move. We're having fewer abortions. Yes. But that's still, you know, that's greater than the population of the it's city of St. Louis, definitely. But the metro right. area, we only have about 1.1 right. 1 million people here. So we're aborting almost the entire metro area on a yearly basis. Mm. So where does that play in? Like, Because I can't see God blessing us as a nation and keeping our children safe no. at school if we're destroying them in the womb for contraception, not help of the mother, not rape, not incest, contraception. We're just saying, hey, I got pregnant. I don't want to have a baby right now, so I'm going to have an abortion. And the men are complicit. The women are complicit. The churches are complicit. Everyone's a part of it because yeah. we fund it through our taxpayer dollars. So, Pastor, how, how does that does it does it intersect? Am, am I on the right track with saying that a, a nation that aborts that many children can't expect children to be safe anywhere? Hmm. No, I, I think, uh, Stacy, you it, you hit the nail on the head. And uh, I, you know, I told I told the church last week, I said, there's there's three things here. You know, and I mentioned the first one, you have to frame this correctly. The 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 media the left they they really are trying to frame this in a in such a way that it takes the onus off of these policies um that that have perpetuated this in our country going back 40 50 years now right nobody wants to nobody on the left wants to wants to face that and so so they frame it in such a way like you like you said where um it, it's they're always going to have to make this connection to to the right because it's it's they're trying to make it all about an issue that it is not about the other two things that that we have to do you have to frame it correctly you mentioned it you have to face this confidently we we have to face it we are not a christian nation we were but as of 2022 we're not and so we have to face that but with confidence in our lord and with confidence in the word and and we have to condemn what needs to be condemned we have to hate what god hates and love what god loves you know the bible says in proverbs chapter 14 that righteousness exalts a nation so when we are righteous people our nation is exalted and that's what the lord does when we live righteous lives you know i'm reminded of we talk about what we need to do we need to pray but the bible says that when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray then will i hear from heaven then will i heal their land so the then we all want that then we want god to come we want god to heal our land we want god to move we want god to you know to to do what only god can do but i i believe that the lord is is waiting on this nation to turn back to prayer because when my people who are called by my name pray then will i hear from heaven so the then is connected to the wind so we've got to return i miss i miss the america of 912 the america of 912 i i remember i was working in a church in southern california i was in college and and i was helping out with youth ministry at the church and all of that and and I remember 9-12, that day after 9-11, it was a Wednesday. That night at our midweek Bible study at that church, it was packed. Sunday morning, that following Sunday, it was packed. People were hungry. People were moved. People were praying together. People were weeping together. People were rejoicing together. 
And, you know, it only took a few weeks for that to kind of die off. I, I miss that. And, and it's, a, it's a tragedy that it takes a, a, it takes a, a national security emergency for us to get that back. And that tells me that this is, again, this is not a gun issue or a political issue, really. This is a spiritual health issue. We have, we are, we are spiritually broken in this country and we've got to face that and we've got to turn to God. Um, Isaiah chapter three, I was reading Isaiah chapter three this morning. Isaiah chapter three tells about how Jerusalem and Judah, uh, it says that Jerusalem stumbled and Judah fell. Uh, because they brought disaster upon themselves. In verses one through nine, it talks about what they did. They, they were involved in wickedness. They, they were not a righteous people at that time. And, and, and so they fell and they stumbled. But verse 10 says, but tell the righteous, it will be well with them. We need to return to righteousness. And it was in that return to righteousness where Jerusalem and Judah were, were restored, but it wasn't until then. So we've got to face this and we've got to say, look, we have got to turn back to God. We've got, we've got, so, so there's three things. You've got to frame this correctly. You've got to face it confidently. And then we've got to faith this consistently. We have got to faith this. We've got to be faithful to church. And I, and I know like you're a pastor, you should say that, right? You're just, you're just, no, that we have got to be faithful to church. We got to get back to church. Like I said, the America of 912, we were in church. Now, I, I read this really fascinating research piece from Duke University, a guy named Dr. Harold Koenig. He did a, a study and he recently told the New Republic, he said that lack of religious involvement has an effect on mortality that is equivalent to 40 years of smoking one pack of cigarettes every day. <laughs> so, so when we don't, we're not involved in church, we're not involved in you know, we, we don't go to church. We're not involved in, in, in a religious community of some sort, a, a faith community of some sort. It has the, the effect that 40 years of smoking can do that. That's a study from Duke University. This is from a book called Why God Won't Go Away. And I'm not like, this isn't a book plug, but that's just a book I read recently. And it, it's astounding to me that the science is there, the data shows, but we're moving away from this as a nation. We need dads. We need fathers. You know, there's a there's a, a study that came out recently that said if a if a child is the first person in the household to become a Christian, there is a 3.5% probability that everybody in the house will follow. If the mom is the first one, there's a 17% chance that everybody else in the house will follow. But if the dad is the first, in other words, if the dad is leading, like you mentioned, the nuclear family, the traditional family. When the dad is leading this, there's a 93% probability, a 93% probability that everybody in that house is going to follow dad to church. When both parents attend Bible study, in addition to Sundays, 72% of their children will attend when they are grown. They're, the data is clear. <laughs> we got to get back to our families bringing their children to the house of God. And we've got to, I mean, we, so we've got to faith it consistently. We've got to be faithful in church attendance. We need faithful fathers. We, we, need, we, need, we need to be faithful in prayer. Like I mentioned, when my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray then. So the then's connected to the when. God's going to hear our prayers. 
and, and we, we th these are three things like as as believers in this day and hour that we must do. So I, I you know, pastor, the, the, the statistic about what happens to people when they go to church. Uh, so religiosity, which is what, you know, anthropologists and people who study people, they call it religiosity. Right. But it's really kind of the opposite of that because we're talking about a relationship and we all have had people in our lives at some stage of our development where that relationship was not just a game changer. It literally changed us as a person. And so the relationship with Jesus Christ is supposed to actually change us to such a degree that we are demonstrably different, that our lives are improved in so many intangible ways, but in obvious ways to onlookers. It's kind of that, um, I call it that like righteous jealousy, because right. a few times in my life, I've met someone who is a Christian. Um, it's, it's always a woman for me. And they have some kind of unshakable faith that they will demonstrate and I will see it and I will immediately, I'm like, I want that kind of faith in that area. And I'll go and I'll pray. I'll be like, Lord, I don't, I don't have that kind of faith in that area. Or I want to, I want to believe like that. I want to have that experience. And God always answers that. And so there's a, a way that we're supposed to know God and to live for him that causes other people. I want that kind of family. I want that yeah. kind of marriage. I want that kind of disposition, right? That's that's the thing that people are supposed to see in us. It's Christ in us. They're supposed to see it and immediately want it. That's the thing that draws them in. And then they they ask you, and instead of saying, well, because I listen to a book on Audible every week, and also I you know, I hit the gym every week, and that's why I have endorphins running through my body, and I'm just so sunny because of that. Yeah. We're supposed to tell them the truth. I know Jesus. Anything you're seeing in me that's awesome is because of Jesus. The rest of it, ah, you know, anything bad, that's that's probably directly me. But the, the good stuff is coming from him. And if we live like that and then talk like that, then people will say, well, I'd love to have an unshakable faith. I'd love to be ready to, to face all of the, the bad news that keeps coming. And you're right about the, the headship. The headship issue is directly under assault in our culture. It started with feminism in the 70s and the cultural revolution, the sexual revolution. And everything's been going downhill ever since then because men have been pushed further and further out of right. the headship role. And in the absence of that male headship and the testosterone driven, you know, male leadership model, we have women trying to fill the gap, can't do it. Culture trying to fill the gap, sex, pornography, gaming, virtual living, social media, um, anything you can think of, you know, it, it's the pursuit of sports and entertainment. It's it's relationships. Right. It's it's free living. It's anything you can think of that people are trying to fill that gap with when Jesus is the key. He's the center of it all. But his mandate for us to live in a it's a male dominated society. It's from God himself. He ordained it that way and gives all the rest of us every. So it gives the women and the children. We have so much freedom in that model that we are giving up our freedom and exchanging it for bondage and slavery to an idea that cannot work because God's plan is the only one that works. I can't take BMW as a car. I can't take a BMW and use it like it's a Toyota or a Volvo. I can't do that right. because the owner's manual has specific things to the BMW that I need to follow. And we as human beings are like that. Our creator left us an owner's manual, the Bible. And if we live according to our owner's manual, we're going to experience success. We will also have failure and heartache and tragedy because we live in a fallen world. 
But the end yeah. is assured because we all can just skip forward to Revelation and see what happens. He's coming back on the clouds with fire, blood drip yeah. robes. We're, we're going to be riding behind him and we're coming in victorious. We're coming in for all of that that comes afterwards. So we already know that if we read ahead and see, you know, what's going right. to happen. So I think when you point back to the hedge model and talk about the male influence of a man coming to Christ and leading his whole family, that it's almost a hundred percent where if it's the woman or if it's the child, it's a far, far tinier percentage, just another demonstration of God's plan for us. And that right. it's not wrong for men to be in the leadership role. And it's not wrong for us to acknowledge that live in a patriarchy. It is a blessing from God. And when we return to that more, more traditional model, we will see more. What would you say as we close out here? What are what are your top three things or what would you say to people who right now they're caught up in this mantra of wanting to have gun control over the, the decision? They don't want to look at culture. They don't want to look at family. What do you tell pastor and, uh, um, you know, you're leading people, you're shepherding them. Um, what things would you say to them to, to kind of get them on the right path? You know, what I, what I would, what I would say, uh, to anybody who's maybe has some confusion on these matters and they're, you know, looking for how to answer this or how to frame this or, um, how to face this is that we have to, we have to be, um, honest about what this is number one sin and evil are real mass shootings are they're just a, a symptom of, of a disease we, we live in a world infected with sin we cannot ignore the real presence of sin and evil in these moments we need to talk about it uh, we, we we need to you know preach about it from the pulpit people who are uh in you know a faith community need to be faithful to their faith community those who are newer to this uh, need to grow in their walk with God, but we need to talk about this. Sin and evil are real. The enemy has a plan and it's working. And the only way to fight against this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. There are strongholds in our world today. There are strongholds in our country today. And the only way that we are, this is not, this is not, a, we, this is, we can't fight spiritual matters with political legislation. The answer is not in the White House. The answer is not in a state capitol building. The answer is in Christ the Lord. We have to teach that. Murder is a stain on God's creation. God etched this command to Moses, you shall not kill. You know, it's amazing if, if we would just get back to teaching the basics of the word of God, it has an answer for every issue in our world today is answerable or is answered by the word of God. And, you know, third, God, we need to be reminded, God is still sovereign over evil. He still remains in control. And as followers of Christ, we've got to lean on that. We've got to lean into that and, and, and know that God is in control of this world today and trust in that. And then, you know, lastly, we've got to be people of prayer. And we've got to share hope. Like you said, Stacy, we, we should be magnetic. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to be salt and light. People should, I notice when there's a little salt in my food. I notice when there's not salt in my food. And, and I notice when the light's on and when the light's off. If we truly are the salt and light, people will notice. And, and so I would say remain steadfast, 
be faithful in prayer. The Bible talks about praying without ceasing. You know, what's interesting to me is we, we see this pushback from culture because our culture is sick. Our culture is not healthy. We see this pushback from culture. Anytime somebody says, I'm praying for the victims, I'm praying for the families. I'm, I'm praying. You see this really extreme pushback. It's like a mockery of, of thoughts and prayers, right? And what are your thoughts and prayers doing? In fact, thoughts and prayers are often ridiculed in the wake of a, of a mass shooting, but that should never deter us from praying. There, there's data that's out there that shows the power of prayer. They've actually done studies that, that have, uh, where, where people of faith have prayed with people who, who were victims of these types of uh, shootings and have shown a marketed you know, healing and improvement over those that did not. There is power in prayer. We know that. The world we live in doesn't know that. But again, we are called to be salt and light. So if we will pray and we'll share the hope of the gospel um, during these times, despite whatever pushback you might get or whatever criticism or mockery you might get, Paul preached in a very pagan society. And the Bible says that some mocked, but others gladly received. So you're going to receive some people. There's going to be people that might mock you for being who you are or doing what God has called you to do. But, but the Bible says that others gladly received. There are people in this world that are looking for an answer. There's people in this world that are looking for hope. They're looking for faith. We've got it. We've got to be about it. We've got to share it. Don't be ashamed. Be who God has called you to be. So I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, we have to really get into action mode as Christians. Um, thoughts, of course, there's nothing wrong with thinking. In fact, it, it's wise to actually stop and think and consider what's happening in our culture. Um, but saying thoughts and prayers, you know, it has become a cliche that is, re it's really mocked because people who aren't members of our faith tradition don't see the action that comes from prayer. And mm -hmm. so, you know, the, the other thing is, and it's kind of hard to say, but it's the truth. Um, so God does not promise us a trouble-free life, that there That's won't right. be, you know, acts of murder and violence and mayhem. Right. He does promise that obedience brings the blessing, but it doesn't mean that if you're perfectly obedient, which we can never be, um, that we won't experience any anything bad. God uses bad circumstances to bring about right. his will. And so, you know, we we can't we can't really question it. But when we say we're praying, then we have to also act so that there's tangible results to that. And so God is, he, he acts most often through us. He uses us as his he hands does. and feet. He doesn't just, you know, he's not like a genie in a bottle where things magically appear when we, when we pray, prayer has to be accompanied by the faith that God is going to answer. And the action is the result of that faith. And so we, if we're just thinking and praying and not seeing any result of that, it's because we're not then following through in faith with action. And, um, we have a waiting world that is looking to yeah. see what we can do to, to see if the God that we serve actually does anything. Mm -hmm. And their mockery is a symptom of their unbelief, right. but it should spur us to action. And I, I yeah. feel like we're getting to a place of no return where leftists will continue down the incorrect path. Their policy prescriptions never work, but they'll still continue down that path because they have to do something. And in the effort to do something, they'll end up taking away our freedoms 
and making things worse because inner cities are the place that, you know, most people don't prefer to live in inner cities. Most people right. prefer to live in the exurbs or the suburbs or right. in a ring. You know, it's basically just outside the city so they can live close enough to work, but not have to be subject to the policies and the taxes and the right. crime. And so that's proof that people don't actually think leftist ideas work, but they'll still vote for them and they'll still, because they want to do something. So right. um, my hope and prayer is that people will take your, your, your prescription, those three things that that's bedrock. We can go with those mm -hmm. and actually be impactful. That's why I love it when Demetrius brings you onto the program. I'm so glad you were able to join me today. Yeah, um, thank you so much, Pastor. And I want to point people to the website one more time because great content there. Wonderful to connect with you and find out more. Your website is angeles.church, angeles.church. David McGovern, pastor at Angeles Church. Thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you, Stacey. Conversation. Great to talk again. Anytime. All right. God bless you. God bless. We'll have more for you at familyvisionmedia.org and follow us on Twitter. You can find us at Family Vision Media. We'll be back soon. God bless you.